that business on Cato Nemordia doesn't doesn't count. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. I'm Roger. Uh, he is as well. <laughs> I never know what you're going to say at that point. Um, <laughs> and this is the podcast where Declan and I each write a song in the space of a week and bring them to this podcast. We talk about how we wrote the songs, chords, lyrics, influences, challenges, uh, lyrics, chords. I already said those too. Uh, how are you doing, Declan? I'm doing fine. I was just waiting to see how long it would be before you started repeating items in that list, sir. <laughs> I always feel like I'm missing some things from that list. Every time I say it, I always hesitate a little bit because I'm like, there must be more to it than yeah. chords, lyrics and influences. We talk about more than that, don't we? Uh, yeah, whether we're meant to is another issue, but uh, <laughs> we do talk about more than that. Uh, <laughs> but you did mention challenges, and this week we have challenged ourselves to write funk songs. Yeah, get down with that funky feeling. You can tell I'm cool in a club. <laughs> kind of intimidating to write a funk song because you have to be, you have to have a certain attitude or something, you know, to be funky. Are we funky? I, d- I don't know. Are we funky? There are many ways that question can be answered. Answers on a postcard, please. Uh, <laughs> send in something to weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Are we funky, yay or nay? Um, <laughs> Just literally one word, yay or nay. Uh, on a postcard. I like the idea that people have to pay for, like, a stamp. Do you have to put a stamp on a postcard? Uh, I think you do, yeah. I thought they had, like, a little picture of something on them that counted for... No, you don't have to put a stamp. What am I thinking of? They have... The, the picture is the stamp. You affix it to the... Uh, you, you affix a stamp to your postcard, you'll pop it in the post, and you send it home, and you'll be home before it is, so... I, I I like postcards because like a letter's private, but like a postcard, it hasn't got an envelope, so it's just naked. Like anyone who comes across it in the interim could just read your personal message. Are you imagining like all the mail sorters of the country, whenever they get a postcard, they go, "Well, didn't bother to uh, close this one up. Let's see what Margaret is doing on Portsmouth on Sea." <laughs> Portsmouth on Sea doesn't exist, but you know, juicy gossip. Yeah. Juicy gossip. <laughs> Just, just imagine now, like all the postal workers, like, oh, some tea from uh, Bournemouth. Turns out that, <laughs> <laughs> turns out that Teddy's leaving his wife for, for another woman. Why would he send it on a postcard? I don't know. I'm just reading it out. <laughs> and I like the idea that there's so much post to go through that day, and they stop and read every one and like dissect it and talk about it and they don't get anything done a lot like us with this podcast pretty much yeah we're two of a kind us in the postal service a lot of similarities we both wear little blue shorts and uh, how, how did you know that i don't know um, <laughs> I'm, I'm cursed with these gifts i know not from where they come do you ever do that thing where like you kind of set up with something that you, you could say something funny and then your brain just like shuts down completely and you just go there's nothing I could say here. Welcome <laughs> to my life. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we take it in turns as to who goes first on this podcast that you're listening to right now. We're very but egalitarian some... in that way. We are. You know, it's, um, yeah. And uh, this week we're going to listen to my song first. Uh, 
I will say before we listen, um, with the other genre genre challenges, you know, we've done Motown, rock and roll, like a TV theme type of thing. Um, I've kind of, you know, been a bit vague with my approach, but this time I've gone, I've gone full funk. Yeah, so. I mean, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I have heard it, and there was something that very strongly came to mind once I'd heard it. Oh no, <laughs> I actually don't know what it is. I'm nervous. I can keep you in suspense for three minutes longer. What's it called? Okay. It is called Cold Lassie. And I'll explain why it's arf, called Cold arf, Lassie. Arf. And it goes like this. That was Roger's song this week, Cold Lassie. And if you didn't know that he was a Prince fan beforehand, you definitely do now. <laughs> uh, that's the thing you were saying. It sounds like something. And then I was like, oh, I think I know what it is. I don't know what song it is yet, but 
Um, it sounds. I, I like, knew you meant Prince. Well, it sounds like Prince, but it sounds like uh, Prince from the second album specifically. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Oh, that that album. It's just called Prince. You know, self-titled. Oh, such a good album. Mm. My it's, favorite uh, one. The big one from that one was uh, "I Want to Be Your Lover," wouldn't it? Yeah, and also... Uh, I want to be your it? lover. What's the other one that Shaka Khan did? Um, why You Gotta Drink Me So Bad? No, it's I Feel For You. I Feel For You. God, that album's I, got so many hits on it. I feel for you. I think I love you. I didn't realise Shaka Khan did a version of that for ages until I heard it in the store after hearing the Prince version. It's just like, hang on, wait a minute. Is that is that legal? <laughs> oh, no, wait. You heard, you heard the Prince version... Uh, first, well, I've, I've heard the Shaka Khan version before, but like I've never paid attention to it until after I heard the Prince version. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it, it's so Prince second album influence. Like, you're not even like pro- it's properly like it's not even like I sat down to write a funk song and went, okay, what should I, you know, be influenced by Prince's second album? It was more just like. That's so part of like, my mind. I've listened to it so many times that I think going into funk, I was going to do something like that. Well, I mean, you're a big Prince fan. He's one of your favourite artists, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of inevitable that the Minneapolis sound was going to creep in there somehow. Um, but uh, aside from your love of Prince, what kind of like inspired <laughs> the start of this one and why on earth is it called Cold Lassie? <laughs> Good questions. Uh, so, so... What inspired the start of it was um, just sort of sitting down with the electric guitar, which I think like even that's kind of different from how I normally start. Because um, normally, if we're right, if we're like out of challenge season and we're writing just you know a song, you know, I'll write. I'll generally write like ballad style stuff or something like that. So I'll sit down with the acoustic guitar, or if I got a piano nearby, sit at the piano. And this time it was like. I wanted to think in terms of the electric guitar because then you don't think so much in terms of like open chords and stuff. Um, but instead you kind of think in terms of like maybe riffs or like triads and stuff. Um, so, and I knew that sort of like the first thing I thought when I thought of funk, just like really broadly, was that sort of sound. Not that rhythm necessarily, but just like chic use it and you know mm. uh i don't know funkadelic and prince and you know it's just the funks like if, if there's one to me if there's one thing that's funk like or like illustrative of funk it's just that whack whacka ticket ticket attack that sort of guitar sound yeah i i get where you're coming from with that like it's uh kind of one of the first things you think of although it's something that only really sort of comes along later I tend to feel like if you go back to really early funk, so you go back to like, for example, um, uh, James Brown kind of stuff, like it's there, but it's not as like, it's not as driving as it would later become. That's a good point. Yeah. Because it's almost like the drummer's holding those notes. Yeah. So like uh, in tracks like Sex Machine and like uh, I Feel Good, like it is just the bass and the drums that are holding the whole thing together. It's just our bias as guitarists that when we think <laughs> of funk, we go, oh, right, it's a chuka 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 thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, because that's the thing, like like with funk that I noticed um, from just listening to Sam and that is... Uh, I think one of the main elements is that eighth notes are used a lot um, in every single part, instrument part. So, like, if you've got, um, a, like, a 4-4 four, four 
uh, measure, you know, or, or, you know, time signature that goes dun, 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 one, two, three, four. Like, at a certain point, the drums, the guitar, the vocal, etc., will go ticka, 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 in some sort so of way. So you'll get no sixteenths in there. Oh, yeah, they are sixteenths rather than eighths, yeah. Yeah, yeah good point. Because I could, uh, an eighth would be as a sixteenth is like oh yeah no right you are yeah sixteenths um but like I so I knew I had to have something like that so it was just like starting out on the guitar with finding something like that and um the first chord I went to was the Hendrix chord yes and uh, because it's just so funky I mean it it but then I abandoned it very quickly because it's so synonymous with uh, Prince's song Kiss. Oh, what, the intro, the... Da, 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 da. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so You're going to edit that really badly now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Who do you think I am? You? Me? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, so I dropped the Hendrix chord pretty quick, but it does appear... I don't know, actually. No, I did use it. But anyway, that's not the point. Uh, what is the point? No, the point is that um, the main sort of start of the riff that I came up with was just A major. So the song's in A major. And I just kind of found a rhythm I like that was um, around A major. And so I knew I wanted to keep it like quarterly simple, you know. I, I didn't want to kind of be too non-diatonic and kind of like use every... Um, every uh, interval of the scale, so to speak, you know, like my minor thirds and my minor fours and all these different things. Um, mm. So I kept the song to, uh, you know, largely four chords, which is A major, G major, E major, D major. So A major is your one, uh, E major is your five, your uh, dominant, and then your subdominant is D, which is your four. And then G... Uh, what is G in that context? Because it's the out of scale one. It's borrowed from the A minor scale. But what would what would you call that in terms of a Roman numeral? Do you reckon flat seven? Flat seven, right? Yeah. So G is your flat seven. And so I was like, I don't want to be too non non diatonic with with this song. Um, but the the one thing I do want to be non diatonic with is is that flat seven, because I feel like alongside the sort of like wacka 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 sort of guitar thing being synonymous with funk. Also using that flat seven as a note or as a chord or something in a major scale setting just gives you that funk or blues flavor. So, I mean, just think of things like uh, play that funky music, you know, you're playing it right there. Um, that was really mm. terrible singing on my part then. Sound a bit like you're going to go into the cantina theme. then, like Which that's kind of funky. Space funk. Well, uh, it's a quick digression, but like the whole idea behind that was like John Williams was thinking, like, what would happen if aliens found the tape of old Earth jazz and what would they do with it with their space instruments? <laughs> Which, I, as a thought process behind a piece of music, I love. Oh, me too. He's a cool guy and he's a cool composer, John Williams. Yeah, this just in John Williams is good at his job. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why they keep rehiring him. <laughs> yeah. Must be doing something right. Oh, there's that great story of when um Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were doing Indiana Jones when they had their first production meeting. 
They just said, right, John Williams is writing the music. Right, now let's actually get the film sorted. <laughs> right, I like that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, with, with the chords to this one, uh, like I say, just A, G, D, and E. So really nice and simple. And uh, so I kind of almost had, like, a lot of intellectual thoughts about this one before actually writing, if that makes sense. Uh, and the only other one I wanted to mention was that I found in like a lot of my favorite funk songs, you just keep returning to the root chord. You know what I mean? Like so, like. Well, if you think of things like, uh, for example, "Superstition" by Stevie Wonder, which is kind of funky, that's like grooving on that E minor there for ages. When you Yeah, exactly. That's a great... Or, or yeah. like James Brown, Sex Machine. Like, that's basically just, like, one chord and, like, a flick-on-off kind of thing. And that's down near the whole song, other than those fives that... Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, like, just coming back to that one just is so funk to me. It's like... It's like the whole band knows what they're doing and like, you know, you might digress, you might go up to the four, you might go down to the flat seven, but you're going to come back to the one. Um, and also I found that that, um, this is a kind of a cool observation, but like I, I found that by staying on the one for ages, whenever you made the move to go to, say, the five, it really felt powerful. It felt like, oh, we're, we're moving somewhere now. Whereas like if, if, you, if you're always moving around, each chord has less... Uh, power to it does that make sense yeah it's kind of because you've stayed in that one key center or that one tonal center for so long the fact that you're now moving away from that is like uh, you know like you say it's a big shift it has like a big impact it's like that trick of when you uh if you're doing like a bridge and you just hammer on like the five chord for absolutely ages because the time you come back into whatever chord sequence it is that you're doing, it'll feel more powerful because you've built it up on that one chord. That's just that kind of like idea stretched out to the course of, in some cases, an entire song. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's so true. I mean, it, it and it makes you think like, how could I? Because that's the thing with these challenges that is they're they're not just like, can you do can you do funk for one week and then just leave it behind? Like, hopefully, out of these things, we're learning like tools that that funk musicians use that we can then use and the you know listeners could then use to improve their songwriting like you know forever um so i think that's one for me it's just like stay on chords longer because the power is way more in them yeah like this kind of i think as you learn more and more chords and you sort of broaden your musical palette as it were there's a temptation to try and put everything in or the feeling that uh, a song isn't complete unless you've put in, you know, most of the variations on the scale or most of these non-diatonic things or, you know, whatever it is. When yeah, there is just a real power to just waiting and just staying somewhere. Definitely. Because when you do move, it will be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I don't know if, if you, I imagine you are, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't know if you're the same as me with this, but... There's this sort of thinking in the back of my mind of like, if I'm not using um, at least three, you know, fancy pants, clever chords in a song, I might not like the song, you know, um, especially as time goes on. But actually, like, 
the opposite is true quite a lot of the time. You know, sometimes the simple ones are the good ones. Hmm. Yeah, there's like this weird balance that you're always trying to strike of keeping it interesting for yourself. And particularly as we do it for a songwriting mm. podcast, keeping these songs interesting to talk about, but also keeping them good songs and keeping them engaging. And I think kind of Funk's a really interesting example because like its key purpose is not like tied up with like you know being a rebellion against this that the other it's not tied up with like uh, trying to inform the tone of something funk music is just basically there for you to dance to absolutely it's a really really simple objective which you can clever up as much as you like but if it's not going to make you dance is it funk (laughs) absolutely totally agree um yeah definitely i mean like the first thing i like naturally thought of when i was thinking i'm gonna write a funk song is my mind went directly to this um i'll try and include a clip if i can find one but this uh prince live album called uh one night alone live and just the band i I don't know who's in the band but the band he's got with him are the funkiest band i've ever heard so i just wanted to take cues from that and a lot of it is just kind of like everything locking in you know just everything grooving together i'm gonna see if you know the words of this song if you don't you better ask somebody come on y'all that's the thing but that's what kind of makes a lot of particularly like 70s and 80s funk so fun to listen to is just the fact that it's a load of people in the room like generating a groove and sort of all like vibing together yeah like there are cases of like funky records being done uh by solo people or like uh you know constructed artificially like for example prince uh, a few of his records are done all with him mm. but there is just something about when you get a load of people in the room yeah you got that human element yeah and everyone is just giving their energy into a vibe and like you could sort of almost picture like members of the band dancing as they're playing definitely i there's i just remember this great moment i've got to listen to that record again great moment on that prince one night uh, alone live album where they're playing this song alphabet street <laughs> and um after the breakdown um they come back in as a full, as a full band and it's just so so grooving and so funky and then like about three and a half bars in prince goes whoa whoa stop 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 and he stops the whole band like mid bar and then he just the crowd's cheering and, and like he just stops for a minute and he's silent and he goes he goes that is too funky and then he said, he goes, he goes, Josh, Josh, play that bass line by yourself. And then Josh plays this bass line and Prince goes, I've got that in my behind. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, dear. Uh, I've got to send you that album, by the way. That's some killer, killer album. Please do. It sounds amazing. It, it's one of the most exciting like live albums ever. I can't believe I haven't told you that about it before. But anyway, um, kind of off topic, but it's still about funk. So... <laughs> so I'm going to plead innocence on that one Okay, well in all this digression You've still not answered the question Of why the song is called Cold Lassie Right, right You may be thinking like that dog, Lassie Yeah ah. Well Well, you're right, no, you're wrong um, <laughs> um, Yeah, you're exactly right Congratulations Moving on to your song um, So Uh it's called Cold Lassie because of this, and then I'll explain why. So, um, so no, actually, I'll do it the I'll do it the other way around. So, um, basically, I've started writing my verse, and 
for anyone who's heard the show before, you'll know that my first verses are always kind of vague and just kind of setting a vague tone and trying to get the syllables and the rhyming scheme and, like, the lyrics don't necessarily mean much yet, but they might later. So I had that for my first uh, verse. My first verse goes, run towards the light. If you fall behind, tripped up on the line, you're not doing it right. So I kind of knew that had potential to, like, be a metaphor, but I wasn't sure about what yet. Um, Hmm. And then I'm going, save my fading eyes. Can you understand why I hold my hand up to the light? And so, still quite vague, but in my mind, at least, I started to think about, like, uh, distancing myself from people and sort of having walls up and barriers and that sort of thing, which is, you know, kind of a recurring topic for me. Um, But anyway, so, and then I... Just let the people in, Roger. (laughs) Let them into your heart. Okay. I didn't realize it was oh, that that easy. easy. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so, I I knew, because of the sort of, like, uh, sort of vagueness or abstractness of the of the verses. I wanted to have some kind of like um, saying or like uh, you know proverb or something. Uh, you quite like having songs that have got like uh, common phrases in them or common uh, like turns of turns of word. Um, I can't say that I've heard anyone say called Lassie before, so. Um... <laughs> Well, this is where this is where I tried to be less vague and ended up being more vague. Um, so I've got this book, which um, I, I posted this on the Instagram actually the other day, uh, and just as a good reference book. And it's uh, the Little Oxford Dictionary of Proverbs, and it's just it's like a regular dictionary, but it's filled with all sorts of proverbs, whether American or English or you know really old ones or relatively new ones, and. When I bought this when I was like 21 or something, I went through and I highlighted the, my favourite ones. And I went through and I just found one I highlighted all the way back then. And it says, uh, He who has been scalded by hot milk blows even on cold lassie before drinking it. And beneath that it has an exclamation here. Uh, lassie is an Indian drink traditionally based on diluted buttermilk or yogurt and usually served chilled. Uh, and that's an Indian proverb. Uh, so it's kind of analogous to... Uh, a more common um, Western phrase, which is once bitten by a snake, a man will be afraid of a piece of rope for three years. Uh, So it's basically saying like, uh, we can be spooked by things or, or, you know, be deterred by things in the present day because we've been hurt in the past. And I thought that was just a really cool uh, topic for a song. So from that point on, I tried to make the song about that. And there were no particular lyrics in my set of lyrics which i felt like were strong enough for like a good title so i thought well i'll just use the cold lassie um thing from the proverb that i got the inspiration from you if you ever release this as a single you are now going to have to have a picture of some lassie uh on the cover and go it's not about the bloody dog (laughs) (laughs) yes uh it was funny as well because like after i wrote the song called it cold lassie um, I've been going through The Simpsons recently, and I, do you remember that one where Homer does stand up at Mr. Oh, Burns' Laddie. thing? No, no, not even not Laddie even. But um, Homer does um, different episode. Homer does stand up at Mr. Burns's um, birthday, and it's <laughs> um, just before he comes on. Smithers brings him on by saying, uh, "Bad news, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a small dog, unlike uh, not unlike Lassie, has just been shot in the parking lot." Now the comedy stylings of Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just funny that they happen at the same time. Uh, that's yeah. um, that that's amusing. Uh, I do really like this one. I love the line. There's one line in it, like I'm going to make a list of the things I want to do to you. 
or, and do them all, which I think if you just sing that with Prince vibes, <laughs> that's such a that's such a line. <laughs> Congratulations, well done. One out of one. My first sexy lyric. <laughs> <laughs> I've really had any before, so yay. Yeah, and you and you did it all in a in a song not named after a dog. Um, Luckily, no peanut butter oh. here. I like that breakdown in the middle as well. I know we haven't really touched on it at all, but I like the way that sort of the rhythm of each part stays the same, but the notes are slightly changing as it goes on. Yeah, I mean, that that was kind of just to change it up a little bit. And um, and then at that point, it, it goes from A major into A minor um, and just uses a bunch of uh, minor uh, notes, single notes and stuff. That was just for like a sort of... I can't think, again, I can't think of any great examples where that happens, but... Uh, you know, funk songs do that, they don't they kinda of have like a a B section which is very rhythmic. So I thought I wanted to do that. Well it seems that you've put a lot of thought, a lot of care and like uh, attention into this song and you've actually referenced a lot of ideas that come from uh the funk music that you've listened to and enjoyed. Don't get used to that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh on that note, uh let's move over to your song if if you're ready, Declan. Oh dear. Okay, so what's it called? Uh, so my song this week is called Nothing For Me, um, You Can Keep The Lassie To Yourself. And um, it, it goes <laughs> like this.
That was Nothing For Me. That's uh, Declan's funk-inspired song this week. Yes, funk-derived. Uh, I'm not sure I can go so far enough to call it a funk song. <laughs> well, I like I like that we have the same um, tempo to our songs this week. And uh, just just generally, I really like this one. There's a lot of bits I like about it. The net main riff, the, the way it jumps pitch a lot is really cool. And... Uh, um, melodically, I think it's a real earworm as well. So, uh, how did how did it start and everything? Um, well, it started uh, as normal with my songwriting process by running out of time and doing it all on the Sunday. Um, here, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, here, here. Uh, so, I did a similar thing that I was doing last week to Grunge, and the trouble was that I. Uh, if I've I've got loads of things in my music library that are listed as funk rock, which then get split up into funk and rock, as well as funk rock, or like uh, funk something else. Um, so I was hearing things that were tan- loads of things that are tangentially related, but not actually <laughs> of. Like I was getting a lot of Jimi Hendrix coming in. It's just like, man, the, the, this must this funk rock track must be later on in the app because it's not here (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but again it's a case of going through the exercises of like trying to distill what makes what funk elements are they're being drawn into every single part of this um and essentially the conclusion i came to was just that it's the first thing i needed to do was find something that can make people dance hopefully so, the uh, kind of, have you ever heard that story of like, well, I know you have because you've seen this uh, documentary, but Dave Grohl talks about um, having a riff for enough space and jumping up and down so he knows what the correct speed for it kind of is. Yeah, like a crowd jumping up and down speed sort of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. like, uh, so that sort of was the first process of that. Uh, I didn't quite follow the same logic, but I sort of like was trying loads of different grooves and rhythms and speeds out, like just strumming muted on the guitar to sort of see what would be what felt the most natural to sort of just at least sway a little bit to, uh, which is where I ended up with a boom, 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 boom. Okay, right. So uh, the, the I, tempo came first then? Yeah, uh, slightly unusually, because uh, normally I'm just of the mind... It, just write your song and then speed it up. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter how fast it is to start with, just speed it up. But no, because this is like dancing music, it has to be a, a tempo that you can dance to it at. Um, again, thinking, well, it needs to be a funk song, so it needs to have these little strummed, this, uh, like these um, little guitar bits in there. And what I quite like is, for example, when you see some of uh, Nile Rogers' guitar work, and he's got like these cool inversions and these little movements within chords. A good like example of like his unusual chord shapes or unusual chord tones can actually be heard on the beginning of Let's Dance uh, by David Bowie. Oh, does he play guitar on that? Yeah, he produced that album, the um, Let's Dance album. Oh, wow, cool. That's so he really plays cool. guitar on a lot of it. Like he plays guitar on China Bell as well. Oh, brilliant. Nice. Uh, but yeah, those weird jazz chords that are being hit over the dun 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 dun, dun uh, are all him. So I was thinking, like, right, okay, I'm gonna get some chords together, but I'm gonna try and put as many like notes in as I can <laughs> to make myself seem clever. But they're all gonna like jump on and off because like uh, just to sort of gets a little bit of movement in there. 
So I ended up coming up with four chords, which ended up... The song is sort of based around C minor, A-flat major 7, E-flat uh, 6, and G7. Uh, and then in the verses, that G7 switches out to a D minor 6, I think. So uh, I sort of had that together. And I thought, right, well, I can just slow these down for the verses and sort of try and come up with something for that. Again, it's a thing of trying not to overcomplicate this, just to try and keep a bit of energy going. Uh, it got to, like, the point where, like, you would need a chorus. And I was just thinking, like, but, well, what is there to do? I can't really do a lot of the things I'd normally do for a chorus because it just wouldn't be funk. Right. And at this point is where I took the big funk deviation, which means... You know, no longer a funk song. Um, <laughs> and as you can tell by the artist which inspired the next part of the song, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Royal Blood's most recent album recently. <laughs> ah, that kind... Okay, yeah. Um, and the thing about the new one is that they've taken sort of their, like, dark riffs and everything, but they've put, like, slightly more disco or club beats in there. Oh, right, okay. Uh, or, like, taken influence from it. Um so it's a bit more dancey and upbeat while still having that dark tone to it or darker tone to it. So you've got like the ultra modern end of funk as an influence there. Well, I mean, Royal Blood aren't a funk band. But, like, um, I just thought, well, if I need a, something for the chorus, I can just sort of do that trick of, like, having a single note riff because it's all based around minor, so it'll sound dark anyway. The beat will be more or less the same. Mm. Uh, what ended up being the case was I sort of took all the little movements out of it, out of all the chords that I was doing, like the hammer-ons and the rundowns and things like that, and just condensed them into one riff in one sort of scale condense them down to one riff in one octave more or less that would then be like the centerpiece of the song so it's it's the same chords but everything is playing single notes oh i see so it's exactly the same like increments of the scale but just single notes is that right yeah so like for example where you would have like a hammer on on that c minor chord of like an a flat to a g and a e flat to a d that now just becomes part of the riff Ah, uh, that's that's a really cool idea, actually. I never thought of doing that before. Is your vocal doing the same notes on the first bit, and then it just it stops because it goes up to a G, and I can't hit a G. Ah, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> this is the trouble of having a very limited range, and also deciding what key your song was going to be in beforehand uh, before you attempted to sing the damn thing. Oh, um. fucking no. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's not really a lot musically to this song. The only other bit musically came out of when I was trying to write the words. So I sort of got the musical, those bits of the musical components together. I was just trying to write out some words. The first thing that came to me was like a, when I was singing along to the chorus riff, was a, I know you've got nothing for me. I was like, ooh, that fits. Uh, starting to write out the rest of it. And um, I got halfway through the second verse and I realised I can't say anymore. I've, I've run out of things to say. Uh, so what I did was like, I'll make this the point. I'll stop the chord sequence right there and go into a new one. <laughs> uh, which is where you then have like a, 
A flat to A diminished, and then you've got like B flat and B diminished in there as well. Um, think of that ascending thing up into where the instrumental break would be. Okay, right, right, right. So, wait, so you got your first lyric and then you sort of like moved on to the next session really quickly, I imagine. Yeah, so I sort of got the words together for the chorus and I sort of put a first verse together, which sort of worked. But then with the way I was writing and the sort of what the song's about, I just got to a point where it was like, well, I can't say anything else. I've kind of, I've kind of blown my load already. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely songwriting term, that. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, it's... Uh, it's then just a thing of like, right, well, I'll just do something else for this bit then. <laughs> Have an extended instrumental break and come back into the chorus uh, with like the twist lyric, as it were. It's almost like um, uh, kind of what I was saying with mine. It's like always coming back to that, not necessarily like, like the one chord, but just coming back to a section. Like funk sections are quite short as opposed to like, I don't know, grunge sections. As opposed to grunge sections, because those are the only two musics. You either funk or you're grunge. Because we're doing the challenges now, I can only remember two genres at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what we did three weeks ago, that's just... Just gone out of your head. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> so, uh, so did the lyrics come after the music with this one, or was it sort of like at the same time or back and forth? Uh, well... Like I said, I sort of had the musical bits of the chorus. I wrote the chorus. I wrote the verse. I ran out of things to say. I wrote the bridge. So, like, this sort of happened at the end, but, like, I wrote the music for the bridge afterwards. I can hear the seagulls through the phone line. They are quite loud, aren't they? It's kind of like a nice atmosphere, though, is it? Um, I mean, if you say so. I'm <laughs> just worried for my food. Oh, well, um... Lucky for you, um, you're quite a, a way away from them. I won't tell them about you either. Wait a minute. Through what, through what seagull does yonder pose a break? Um, <laughs> I don't know what on earth I'm on about. <laughs> Didn't know you spoke um, ye olde English? Uh, it's a bastardization of Shakespeare. Don't from you dare bastardize Shakespeare. Shakespeare? From what light? Shakespeare. <laughs> Hello, Mister Shakespeare. I really like your latest, your latest like story. I, why do they have to die though? My my friend bastardized you the other day on my podcast. <laughs> Get uh, him. <laughs> Get him, boys. Um, <laughs> with apologies to William Shakespeare, who I know will be thoroughly upset to hear that we have been besmirching his good name. Um, if you if you're upset by this, William, I do apologise. Uh, please do get in touch with the show. Um, where was I? <laughs> uh, lyrics and oh, writing. Yeah. Words bridge. are difficult. Uh, <laughs> Words are always difficult. They never get easier, do they? No. Um, but yeah, it's I, it's it's not a song that's about anything really. Or at least not much. Like it's that. Uh, Feeling, I don't know if you've ever had it when you've gone out somewhere and you're in like a club environment and you're talking to someone and you're getting along really friendly, but you're wondering if they're flirting with you, but you don't know if they're flirting with you or not. Yeah, and this is basically yeah. my student days, like entirely over. It's just like, I, I, 
are, are you interested or are you are you just being nice to me? <laughs> yeah, and then you don't want to flirt back because then they might be like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" Yeah, well, it's like you know, we seem to be having a thing here, but this might just be in my head, so I'm gonna drop this. <laughs> um, I know exactly what you mean. That's a really good topic for a song, actually. I like that. Yeah, if only I could write more about it. <laughs> yeah, this one is short. This one is really short. I think he did a really good job of like, um, like capturing that feeling. Like, I mean, I know you said like you you didn't like expand that much on it or anything, but like the feelings there, like it's very evident that's what the song is about. Yeah, well, it's relying on half um, half faded memories because the last time I would have actually gone out to any kind of nightclub environment where something like this would have been likely to happen would have been like over a year and a half ago at the very least. Right. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a bitter senile old man now, and I I I can't remember what the youths <laughs> do in these. What do they call them? Discotheques? I I I I, I hear they they. they jump around and dance to the new tunes on the hit parade um <laughs> last time i went to a speakeasy <laughs> back in my day you all used to have to grab around the gramophone and just wait for the wax cylinder to come in <laughs> um but i mean i'll tell you um that is the best defense of anything ever i just want that as like my text alert message <laughs> What do you want as your text alert message? Just your. <laughs> if you had that, your text alert, people would think you were receiving a very strange text. Yeah. I just go, no, 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 don't worry, it's my mate. <laughs> <laughs> He's go. fine. He doesn't sound fine. Um, but with He's fine. <laughs> you, were saying, you were saying, like, it's been like a long time since, like, you know, you went out to a club or, like, those were, like, uni days and that sort of thing. Like, it just kind of goes to show, like, you don't necessarily need to write about something that happened this week. You can write about something that happened a long time ago and still have it be resonant. Yeah, but at the same time, it'd be nice to be able to remember stuff. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just your memory. And mine. Um, sorry, what did you say? That, that's hearing, uh, not memory. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Robert Heathers, your friend. What, what, what am I doing here? Who are you? Well, that's actually made me like genuinely sad. I don't want you ever to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> it's not up to me, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea. I'm like, I'm like leave it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whether I end up like that is uh, is is out of my hands. <laughs> it's also hopefully a long time off yet, so. Absolutely, absolutely. And anyway, science is advancing all the time. I always remind myself of that. I don't think there's much else to say about this one other than that bass riff was a pain in the behind to play. Ah, uh, but bass makes things funky. It does, but, like, my fingers hurt. They still hurt. Why? Why, Roger? Why did my fingers hurt? Because you've got Am too funky. Am I just funky. not good at bass? I got too funky. I didn't follow Prince's advice. <laughs> Josh, God damn these funky fingers. <laughs> that now might that, be a title. That is a title. In fact, that is the most evident title we've ever had. God damn these funky fingers. <laughs> it's got alliteration too. Um, but no, I, your song this week, I uh, really like it. My, You've had a really good run this this run, so it's hard to say, but it might be my number one when we get to the Roundup um, week. Really? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, thank you, but really? Yeah, well, again, like I said, I've got to listen to them all in uh, in sequence, but yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, yeah. Well, many thank. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, sh- shall we move on before I lose the ability to speak completely? Let, let's do it, yeah. Let's go on to email corner. So we've had a couple of emails into the show. Uh, one, Both of them from uh, regular contributors. One of them from Noah Med, who writes on the topic of lockdown. Hey, chaps, glad to hear you back on the airways. I know Declan has mentioned in the past it enjoys Tim Minchin, and with that in mind, I wonder if you two had watched Bo Burnham's new comedy special, Inside. If so, what did you think of it? I've always found it's brilliant at capturing the essence of a genre for parody and satire's sake, much like you two have done this season. His songs in this special were out of this world, my favourite being Welcome to the Internet. But I was just curious as to what you guys thought. Ta-ra! For now, Noah. Um, thank you for writing in, Noah. Um, I've seen bits of Bo Burnham before, but I haven't actually seen this new uh, Inside one, but I've heard a lot about it. It keeps getting mentioned absolutely everywhere. Yeah, um, my sister's a big fan of Bo Burnham, and our friend Josh was talking about the special last time we saw him. Yeah. Um, is is it a Netflix thing? You know what? I don't even know that. Um, it's one of those things where, like, you know, when someone mentions something enough, you're like, I will watch that at some point, but I don't even know that yet. So, Fair play. People need to mention it to you more. So if everyone could write into weekly song podcast at gmail.com to uh, <laughs> bombard our inbox. Um, uh, we will check it out at some point, though, Noah, because um, maybe we'll give our thoughts on it in a few episodes' time or something. Yeah, that'll be uh, every mail session. I'll just start by asking, like, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? Oh, man, that reminds me of when I was in year seven and I borrowed this this kid Alex's CD of something or other. I think it was like a metal band. And every day he'd ask me for that CD back for seven months. And I never had it until one day I did. And then I gave Why it back to him. Why on earth were you like holding on to his CD for seven months? That's far too long. Like, I thought you were going to say like a week. Because... <laughs> I am the most disorganized person. I'm I'm way better now, but back, I mean, back to be then, fair, I lent you a Frank Turner album once, and then <laughs> you never had it back. You had to get me a new one. <laughs> That's true. I, I I like that. I, I don't remember getting you a new one, but I like that I did because at least I, you know, replaced it. Lucky it wasn't like a rare one or something. You know, uh, it was the version which had the Wembley DVD in it as well. So it would have. It's been discontinued now. So. Did I get you one with the DVD in it? Yes, you did, yeah. Because I'm a so very good friend. brilliant. Yes, I am, even though I lost your CD back then. <laughs> this oh. would be the point where you come across it and you go, oh, oh. That's the thing, because with <laughs> stuff like that, it's really frustrating, because like, it can't have gone far. You know, it's like probably near me right now. <laughs> anyway, um... But, I, hope that, yes. I hope that answers your, your question, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, we're idiots. Um, yeah, but, we all, but we've also had an email in uh, from Jamie Doss. Hi, Jamie. Uh, which, hello. Uh, which reads, more banter, more better. Can you guess what this one is about? Uh, hey, Roger, Declan. I've been on vacation and just got back and I'm catching up with the episodes I missed while I was away. I wanted to say, regarding your wondering aloud in the intro of episode 113, I think the banter makes the podcast much better, and as a listener, it makes me feel that I know you both better. It may be presumptuous of me, but I feel like you guys are my mates from college I just don't see anymore, but still follow online. Anyway, love the results of the challenge so far. 
but why do you hate friends? I mean, <laughs> no sweat. We can still be friends. Break that joke, please. Alright. <laughs> Before I sign off, I'm gonna send a brief song I made for one of my actual mates from college that I don't see anymore, but still follow on like wait, we're not your mates. <laughs> that kind of podcast <laughs> <laughs> For a podcast C started called All Boost Up Worrying a Friend would get sloshed and analyze literature on it. That sounds like an amazing podcast. Why isn't our podcast like that? <laughs> that does sound good, actually, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, it sounds expensive, but it sounds good. Um, I don't have the file readily available, but when I find it, I'll send it on. Cheers, James. Thank you very much for writing in. Um, first off, that Friends joke, what can we rate it? I feel there's only one thing we can rate it. One out of one. Exactly, yes. So, congratulations. You, you've achieved one out of one. Um, second thing... Why do we hate friends? Roger, why do you hate friends? Um, hate is a strong word. I mean, okay, so <laughs> why, why don't I like friends? Because it's... I just personally don't find it very funny, and I think the characters don't have much depth. <laughs> what about you? Um, uh, I, I love friends. I, I always have. I'm not trying to dodge the question. No. Um... <laughs> Uh, it's just one of those things. Everybody was talking about it when I was younger, and I just didn't click with it. Like, there's something about it which it's gonna sound weird to say. It's it's almost like too much American style humor, but not like the kind that I find funny. Mm-hmm. Um, which sounds really weird to say because there are American shows, uh, comedies I absolutely love. Like, I think the uh, the U.S. Office is so much superior to the U.K. Office. Uh, and parks and recreation, things like that. Um, but I, I, I think I share a lot of the same uh, criticisms as you, Roger. Mm. It, like, it feels very easy, for lack of a better term. Like, uh, very. You can hear like the um, uh, the canned laughter machine and like jokes that are designated to get laugh. Insert punchline, which. It doesn't feel as natural as some other shows that I've seen. Also, I am a very elitist kid who likes <laughs> old-style British comedy. Like, anything made after 1989 in terms of comedy <laughs> is just... Yes, doesn't exist. No, I joke. It's, um, yeah, it's hard to talk about this type of thing without sounding like a massive snob, but, you know, there's no accounting for taste. I mean, there's probably stuff we like that other people just couldn't stand, you know. Exactly, yeah. I think also it's a case of like tastes changing over time, possibly. Yeah. Uh, like, like, whereas I came to Friends when I was quite young and it was quite big, and I just have not watched it since. But then again, like, uh, you can see in later shows like How I Met Your Mother, like US Office, and things like that, where they've drawn elements of Friends, in particular, like the character elements. So it might be a case of going back to it and reevaluating it. Like our generation seems to have done with The Simpsons and reevaluated the first ten seasons and went, actually, this was like damn amazing. Uh, it was worth the hype. Definitely. So I, yeah, I mean, like uh, on the topic of The Simpsons, real quick. Um, I kind of had this thought because I've, like I said earlier, I've been rewatching it. I think as a kid, because like you and I were twenty eight now. When we were kids, we were like Bart and Lisa's age vaguely. So I think like. 
back then you'd like watch Bart and Lisa and relate to them. Whereas now I'm 28 and I'm, you know, and now I watch The Simpsons, I, I relate far more to Homer and Marge because they're in their 30s. And I go like, oh, they're trying to like, you know, manage work and family and stuff like. So you kind of see it through their eyes this time. Yeah, it's kind of one of the sort of bits of genius about that show is that it uh, writes an entire family, but it doesn't write the children as ideal, like, oh, bless them, like sweet little darlings. They're very much like a chaotic kind of family, which you might recognize in your own life. Like all families are kind of chaotic uh, at points. Um and like the whole thing of them being like you know Lisa being the smartest one like she's written basically as an adult a lot of the time so it's not intolerable for an adult to sit through but it is a lot of fun for a kid to sit through definitely i i found rewatching it like they are a very relatable family but like some of the stuff is so real like I mean, I know it's done comically, but like, you know, the earlier seasons like Homer, um, like strangling Bart and like other stuff like, you know, the one where Homer and Bart build like a soapbox car together and yeah. and like Bart's like, I don't want to drive your car at the race. And Homer's like really hurt. And he's like, he kind of like, you could see he's like a damaged child inside. It's, I didn't notice that stuff when I was a kid, but now you watch it again, you're like, they've got some real good character arcs and stuff in that show. Yeah, well, they sort of really work to make them sort of free, feel like three-dimensional people, which they kind of lost as the show went on. Um, mm. But then again, a lot of people seem to react for, to Friends for the same reason. Uh, but I think the thing is, Friends is kind of like the last of the traditional style sitcom where it's like laughter track, people leaving gaps for lines and... Um, you know, trying to play off the atmosphere in the room, whereas The Simpsons is the first breed of, like, uh, you know, encased in its own reality. And, like, the jokes come thick and fast and there's a greater emphasis on character. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, if you kind of remember The Simpsons from when you were a kid and you didn't watch it a lot back then, um, I think you might sort of remember, like, oh, Homer says dull a lot, Bart rides a skateboard, Lisa plays the set, you know, like, all the kind of, like, surface-level stuff, but... Like I say, when you go back, you kind of notice a lot more, a lot more dimensions to it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird one, but it's also kind of weird comparing like the American style of uh, sitcom, can laughter sitcom to the British kind, because the British kind kind of like evolved out of uh, like vaudevillian comedy acts and things like that, or musical comedy acts, uh, where like you were encouraged to like. Uh, participate with the audience or like out of theater a lot of british television evolved out of theater whereas most american uh like sitcoms and tv shows it's like started as television shows which kind of more ideally suited them to develop quickly but in things like uh sitcoms where you're playing to an audience like the theater backing sort of helps you so much more with that which i is kind of generally why i tend to prefer like the british uh, kind of sitcoms that are filmed like that. Like Porridge is one of my favourite shows of all time. Red Dwarf, I absolutely love. Uh, Faulty Towers, just the scripts are absolutely incredible. Whereas like, uh, and you've got actors who are trained in the theatre tradition to play to an audience. Whereas that's not as big a thing uh, 
in American television history. That's a really good point. I never thought of it like that before, that like British stuff evolved out of the theatre, so it was natural that there would be laughter in those type of scripts. Yeah, or it's just like the awareness of playing to an audience without giving up the game of being in a fictional space. It's a weird one to try and wrap your head around. And it's not unique to the UK, and it's not absent from American uh, shows. It's just... Uh, like, because America was founded a lot later and it was founded a lot closer to the Industrial Revolution, it was founded a lot closer to the introduction of things like radio and television, that it just doesn't have the history to draw from or the traditions to draw from that uh, most European cultures have. That's a good point. Well, yeah. I, I, should say, I should say modern America, United States of America. I shall clarify myself there very quickly. Because uh, America and the United States are two different things. Definitely, yeah. But uh, so that's why we don't like Friends. Yeah, we we, we went really <laughs> off topic. And of course, in 1941, with the advent of <laughs> no, but it's um, I think you raised... do not get me talking about television. I will just go on for ages. I find it really interesting your points on on television and stuff. Because well, you studied it. You know, you studied that stuff. Uh, by study, like, a very long Wikipedia uh, weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than me, though. I, stu- I studied acting at university at the worst academic uni in the country. So that <laughs> that's my, in inverted commas, uh, in inverted commas, qualifications. Is that on the sign as you drive into the uni? The worst academic university in the country? <laughs> no, there was a list. Uh, and uh, the university I went to, Buxton Uni, genuinely came at the bottom. Damn. Uh, that was for academic subjects. I will say it did a lot better um, at artistic subjects. And I think Noel Fielding uh, from the Mighty Boosh went to that university. So there's one alumni. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, Declan Kitchener of the WSP. Who? You. Wait, who am I again? <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to whatever that was. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on why we're wrong about friends uh, or anything else you've heard in the episode, then why not get in touch with us at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com where you can send us all your thoughts and opinions and have them read out in a public arena and we shall go off topic on them. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook and on Instagram and on YouTube. Search Weekly Song Podcast on any of those. Uh, and we shall, you shall see occasionally we have posted stuff and most of the time we have not uh, because <laughs> we are very bad at running a media empire. Uh, but we shall be good at it one day when we rule everything. Praise be to us. Uh, <laughs> Roger, where can they find your music online? Okay, so uh, next week on uh, Friday the 25th, I have a new EP out. It's called Swear Jar and it features uh, a bunch of produced up versions of the songs from the podcast and it's available to pre-order uh, from my Bandcamp now. If you visit my bio on Instagram or go to rogerheathers.com, you can pre-order that EP. And I, it would really mean a lot if people um, listened to it and bought it and that sort of thing. Um, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, follow me on Instagram at rogerheathers. And where can people find you and your music, Declan? 
you can find... Sorry, I was just reading something. Um, you can find my music on Bandcamp, on Spotify, on iTunes, on Apple Music, on various other fun things uh, where music is held. Uh, that gives you a clear indication of what you should expect. Um, you can find... Uh, videos of silly covers that I do on my YouTube Declan Kitchen of Music. You can also find uh, me on Facebook on Declan Kitchen of Music. Uh, one thing to note, uh, if you do want to pre-order Roger's album, uh, on Friday, June 18th, uh, Bandcamp are donating 100% of their shares to the NAACP uh, Legal Defence Fund. So if you're planning on doing that, maybe wait until that date so that, you know, you know, you're Money can go to a good cause. And um, also, uh, if you are thinking about testing out Roger's album, but you're not sure of whether it's for you, a lot of his EPs and albums are available for free to download. Uh, so you have no excuse. You're the best. You're very kind for mentioning that stuff. I, 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 I do try. The, the day you mention it, I shall just completely blank you because you'll have stolen my job. No, no, don't blank me. You sounded so heartbroken. <laughs> no, no, don't mention that. I'd hate to have to ignore you. Who is this loser again? <laughs> we shall be back in a week with a brand new song written in the style of musical or vaudeville. For musicals like the British version, vaudeville's like the American one. But they're both more or less the same. How would you describe it? It's kind of like uh, what the precursor to like the modern variety sort of show became. It's kind of like loud, bawdy, uh, like loads of double entendres. Uh, uh, it's kind of designed for audience sing along, but also like loads of jokes. Like, d go on Wikipedia. You'll you'll find examples of Vaudeville songs. Some of them are funny, and some of them are tara ra boom dia. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> oh, uh, this is, it's going to be an interesting week uh, so we shall see you next week with those then ta-ra ta-ra